Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet, playwright, host of this show, and obviously a big thinker about anything literary. Now, this episode is going to be episode 131. It's going to be entitled, Art as a Defense Against Madness. Yes, I know. It's going to be an interesting one, all right? I used the exact title I used for one of my essays in the 90s. I put together a series of essays about different thoughts of writing. And I thought it would be uh, work as good as, as for a show because it has a lot of different parts to it and, and has a lot of questions involved in it and maybe some answers or some revelations that we can learn about the world and, and ourselves f- through art. So I thought it would be very interesting to do. And I've heard enough commentary already from folks out there right now, especially with some of the things that are going on in, in my country here in America at the moment that Maybe we need to look a little bit at that at ourselves as well. And art can help us do that. It's not a perfect solution. It's not always the, uh, the, the most excellent instrument to help improve yourself or to help learn something about the world. But it, it sure does help because uh, any, any good art is about communication. Whether you're communicating uh, to yourself and learning things about yourself or maybe possibly you're translating all of that into something that you're sending out there in the world to communicate to the world. But in the end, all good art is a form of communication. Heck, it's a it's a form of self-expression. Some say that that's what all art is supposed to be, is a form of self-expression. I'm a little on the border on that because uh, I think art has many different facets than just that. So yes, that, that, that happens to be an important thing, self-expression. But it has to be the purest term, uh, meaning uh, uh, of true uh, discovery and true freedom. And you are talking about your your life or your, your truth or, or your perceptions out there. And unfortunately, in many cases now, especially in America and Europe, uh, self-expression is now loaded with all kinds of political terms and all kinds of jargon and all kinds of agendas. So in the end, you're not getting self-expression because how can you express yourself if everybody's trying to beat you in to say the same thing or to think the same thing? Well, to me, that's not freedom. That's conformity. And to me, that's nonsense. So therefore, it's not self-expression. So when you do things like that, you're not you're not committing yourself to art. You're committing yourself to propaganda and just towing the line to whatever group you want to be a part of or whatever group you think you're afraid of, whatever group is intimidating you. That's not art. Art is about freedom. Yes, art is about self-expression. And definitely art is about discovery. It's just a question of what you're looking to discover. Over the course of somebody's uh, artistic career or life, there could be many things they're going to discover. You know, I want to discover some stuff about myself. I want to discover some stuff about my family. Maybe I could discover something about my uh, the ones I fell in love with. Maybe I could discover stuff about you know, Thailand or the ocean or space or whatever. There's always something you can discover with art and and just confine yourself to that at the moment. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But art is supposed to be about freedom, self-expression, discovery. And yeah, sometimes uh, a a bit of a communication because sometimes uh, what you're doing in art, especially the best art that has the I feel the best flow and the best meaning and the best title and the and just the best heart in it can often telegraph an important message to somebody. It doesn't have to have a message, but oftentimes the best art in itself becomes a message. It becomes just because of how wonderful the art is, or sometimes it becomes just by the accident of a person being inspired. Because that's really what inspiration is. It's really like a happy accident. You know? 
it's when we rewrite and we shape stuff that it becomes an art and therefore we start becoming more responsible for its creation. But we shouldn't really fool ourselves that we're the console author or the sole creator of something when sometimes that spirit or that muse or that that inspiration hits you and you honestly don't know where it came from. Those are the best moments that you don't often get very often. But hey, when you do, you almost feel like you're sharing it with something else out there. Some people call it God. Some people call it spirit. Some people call it muse. They have all kinds of names for it, okay? But you know, when you're creating something, when you worked your butt off to rewrite and do this and do that, to get something that you really like that really has a strong, strong spirit to it, was different than when something just hits you. And it didn't take much and you, you almost feel like it was done and there wasn't too much more to get done with it. There's a big difference there. You can always tell. One is natural and the other one is, quite frankly, hard-earned, which is not the same thing as natural. There's nothing wrong with either one of them, but in the end, you might be able to control the uh, the rewrites and the hard-earned stuff, but uh, when it comes to being hit by a bolt of inspiration... It's not really something you can control. It happens when it happens. You can probably set a mood or be in a room alone or try to do some meditation to calm your thoughts from the day or hell, sometimes your best uh, inspiration is when you are mad about something, when you're, you're angry about something or something has riled you up. Sometimes that brings out things in you that normally wouldn't come out. Maybe that's what's necessary for you at that moment or maybe that's necessary for you in, in general. Something has to get your get your goat, get your attention, you know, in order to do something. But that's really about a person's personality and who they are. I don't make judgments about it. I mean, I don't think you're any less of an artist if it takes something to rile you up to get you to do something versus somebody who could just sit down and say, I got some notes, I got some thoughts, I got some time now, let me try to put all this together and mix it all and all up and, and do something cool and interesting and creative. Some people can do that. Nothing wrong with that. The more prolific you are, the more you're going to have that sort of a pattern. But not everybody can do that. And that doesn't make one person less of an artist than another. We just have to operate differently because we're different people. If there was a formula to art, and remember this, folks, because I'm not trying to make a joke here or something clever, but if there was a formula to art, they, they really wouldn't be artists anymore. Everybody would just be able to do something and then we'd all get bored and do something else. Okay, so it's still something for the select. And I don't mean that in an elitist kind of way. I just mean it on the select people that they hear or they feel or they sense something and they want to be able to do something artistic with it. Or in many cases, sometimes those are the people that have devoted themselves to doing that, to hearing that, to seeing that, to trying everything they can. They are the select because in many instances uh, they have made themselves a select by working at it and sometimes they're the select just because it seems like something has selected them to do that. You're going to find those natural born people just as well. And I think we talked about that on, on some shows past, the pros and cons of that, but we won't do that on this show. But those are the, really the two type of artists that are going to be out there, the natural ones and the ones that just work really hard. Some say there's a mixture of both out there, and I'm sure there's probably some cases of that. But, you know, just for our general speaking and for the show's framework, it, there's really just about two types, you know. And like I said, there's there's strengths and weaknesses to either one of those. Now, I broke the show down into like three big questions of what we're talking about when we say art as a defense against madness. I know it sounds like a cool, clever title and an interesting and even dark in a weird way, but... Not necessarily. I mean, when I wrote the essay back in the 90s, I don't know if it was 89 or 90 years, it, was, God, it seemed like a million years ago, but when I wrote that, and it was actually part of my uh, book of essays on writing called Wake in the Lion. You can pick that up at Amazon, okay? It's an e-book form. But when I wrote that, I wrote that from the stand, and we're going to go in more on this show and elaborate even further than that, but I wrote it from the stand that, you know, can what I'm doing help me when I'm having that, that crappy day, when that girl broke my heart, you know, when when work just seems to be everything negative against you, you know, at the time uh, when I wrote that, I was just coming out of uh, the Air Force, I was coming out of an armed conflict in Panama, 
You know, one moment I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sipping brandy in Germany. And next moment I got people shooting at me in different languages. You know, it doesn't take long for these things to happen when you're in the military. <laughs> you go from peace to war and war to peace and, and, you know, in a heartbeat. That's just the way things work. And you, you say to yourself when it's all over with and you're trying to uh, not necessarily compile what's happened, but at least to decompress from what's happened so you can sort of make sense of it and everything. You know, can can the art help me do that? And so uh, one of the first questions we'll have on the show that we'll talk about is, is art a therapeutic pastime or is can it be a medicine against depression or, you know, post-stress? But, you know, they're in the same same grouping. And, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, lots of people believe that's the case. I even wrote an entire book about it. Writing as Therapy is one of my books that's out there, okay? Um, how to treat you know, you know trauma, but art as much as it can be a therapeutic pastime and it can be a type of medicine against depression, like anything else, folks, it it has its limitations. So yes, the answer is it can be. You can use it that way, and I use it that way at times. And I, I've taught that way. I've written papers about it. I've helped veterans who've had issues with that as my own self as a, as a military veteran. So yes, but you also have to realize that it's not a cure-all, okay? It's not like, you know, you're dropping some, you know, metaphorical pill and, you know, after a couple of sessions, everything's cool. Yeah, I got the universe down. I'm really cool now. Let me go back to whatever. Yes, it can definitely help. But if you know anything, you know, about medicine or you know anything about the human body, you know, sometimes... Things to help on a temporary basis until something else more serious comes along. So it just really depends, quite frankly, on the level of your injury or the depth of your depression or the extent of your post-stress to whether it could do something or not. So I find people that have more of a milder situation, it could definitely help. For quite some time, it could be used in lieu of medication, in lieu of a formal uh, therapy uh, a session on a regular basis. Yeah, it, it can do that. But again, those are the folks that have a lesser degree of that. I see that it becomes really important if you discover you do have an issue because many a times what happens is people who don't even address the lesser forms, that becomes more of an aggravated situation as life comes on. And that can actually you know grow to be something something deeper sometimes that very reason i just explained to you is why a a, a psychiatrist will pro- prescribe something for somebody because they're like you know in their own medical and research opinion well listen i don't want this guy taking this stuff forever or, or this girl but um i like him to prevent him from getting any deeper until we can figure out what's going on and maybe through some therapy you know unmask that or you know, reveal that and, and then have them face that so this way they can conquer that, you know, and move on with their life. It it sounds reasonable. And, and I'm not trying to cast some aspersion on psychiatrists, psychiatrists that push these drugs. But what I will say is that I've seen more times than not where they was not necessary and they just seem to be given in just that kind of, my feeling, a, a cavalier kind of way. And I don't really think it's very useful with people who do have lesser extents of this. They can use art writing therapy to their own advantage. They could do it in a more formal setting, which I've taught. They could read some books about it. They could start doing it in their own way, writing down things, understanding where they're coming from, what's eating at them until they can finally learn to confront that. And they could do that in their own time, you know, without having to be in a group or sitting there talking to a, a stranger. And I'm not making fun of any of that, okay? Some people need a group. Some people need that psychiatrist stranger to do this. But there are plenty of people who don't. And there are also plenty of people that they might not ever seek any kind of assistance, any kind of help, because that's a barrier for them. I can't take that drug. I can't go talk to that person. I don't want to be with a bunch of guys all complaining about something. That might sound strange, but it's a legitimate stand to have. What do you do with somebody like that? Maybe they need something like this, a form of self-help or a form of self-therapy. I've seen it, it work with people before, and, I, and so I, I happen to believe in it as well. 
I, I really do. I just understand that it has certain limitations. You got to use it correctly. You got to have really somebody that has a lesser degree of that. And yes, it could, it could be very, very effective. So yes, it can be. Lots of artists over the years have used one form or another of art to try to help them battle their own their own demons. And and to certain degrees it's helped them have lucid moments in their life, even lucid years before they went back to whatever they've done because unfortunately some of them, you know, they have a crisis here and there and then they wind up slipping back into some kind of a deeper depression or alcohol or drugs or something that as you know, couple with that, unfortunately, and, and and put them back into an even worse position than he might have been, you know, a few years ago. It's very um, coaster riding kind of situation, you know, up and down, you know, with with folks like that. Unless they they they're really being consistent, okay. I I thought that there was a um, and I don't I'm not a big person on lots of quotes about stuff, but sometimes, especially in the, in the nature of this particular show. It'll be helpful. So each one of these sections will have an important quote from an artist. And it really helps frame what we're talking about. In this particular case, when we're asking, it, can art be a therapeutic pastime or medicine against depression? You know, and I'm saying yes and giving some reasons why. I, I like what uh, the artist uh, Gustav Glimp said. He said, art is a line around your thoughts. I mean, it's, it's not only a, a, a beautiful expression. It just, to me, it narrows everything down very nicely and it's amazing that uh, an artist because this is a painter you know can can be that literal and and that literary so um god bless you gustav of course this guy hasn't been around for a long time this is like a hundred years ago quote i mean literally but um that really helps us art is a line around your thoughts because you think about that that's what it that's what it should be not just for the creative things of I'm putting out something for art, I'm putting out something creatively interesting, but also maybe for your own self-discovery or your own therapy that it helps you put a line around those thoughts. It almost like it lassos that that was trying to get away from you because I think that's, the, that's really the heart of many people's problems when they have issues with depression and, and bipolar issues and... Um, Sometimes even um, writer's block, which is sort of a, a, a lesser form of that, is, is that they can't grapple with things that seem to be running loose in their minds for, without a, a more scientific expression. Almost like you need something to lasso them like a cowboy to get a hold of them so you can get a grip of what's going on. And maybe art will help you do that. Or maybe art in general can help do that. It helps do that with your thoughts to be able to get something creative out. Maybe it also helps you to grab onto those things to help discover some of the problems you might be having and how you might be able to discover ways to, to resolve them or at least to live with them in a way that will let you to have a... Uh, I, I don't know if you want to call it a normal life because quite frankly, if you experience military combat or, or, or any kind of serious trauma on any kind of regular basis... I think it, in many ways, it might take something from you and you have to find another way to get back to who you might now be so that you can live with yourself and, and be as normal as you can possibly be under those circumstances. But I don't really ever believe that people go back to who they were. Some things you can't undo and some things you can't unsee. God knows there's certainly some things you can't unhear as is the evidence of some of the pop music coming out these days. <laughs> but, um, and that's really part of that acceptance of, of all of that. The trauma is, is to learn about that and figure out ways to deal with it so that you can be a functioning human being again and not somebody that's questioning yourself or, or maybe others around you questioning you, looking at you like, I don't know, are they going to like go off one day? It's a horrible stereotype, and I'm not certainly trying to push it because I'm against it deeply. I really am. But at the same point, it's not hard to understand somebody who hasn't gone through that or somebody who's not going through that not have some fear or not have some trepidation, not have some concern about maybe, if not your safety, maybe their own. I, I know it sounds horribly impolite, but part of understanding any of this as an artist you know, as a writer, as of somebody that, that has to tackle some of these issues, 
if we're not trying to learn something about how other people are viewing us, you know, we're, we're missing things and, and, and we become more isolated. We become more angry. Maybe we become more paranoid. Oh, God, they don't understand me, blah, blah, blah. That feeds into things that we're trying to defeat and overcome and, and to not try to understand where they're coming from and maybe explain to them or maybe help them understand what you're trying to understand will alleviate them because they'll see right away. Well, there's a person that maybe they have an issue they're trying to tackle, but I don't feel this person is you know going to go off the deep end tomorrow or something. I feel this is somebody that's working through something like anybody else that's working through something that's important in their lives. You could be working on what your next career step is. You could be working on what your next spiritual journey is. You could be working on how you tell your wife you, you know, you just uh, you smashed your car or, you know, how to tell you, your, your family you lost your job. I mean, anything else you're trying to work through, it's really no different in that way. That it's things that you have to be able to come to terms with in order to, to move forward. So for us to understand what's going on on ourselves, sometimes part of that journey of self-discovery is also trying to get some kind of rudimentary understanding about how other people might view you. And I'm not, I'm not meaning in some big collective because you can't do that. How do 7 million people think about me? But you can do it on a one-to-one -one basis or maybe a few people that are important in your life or, or maybe even somebody that you have to work with and they're only important in your life for that period of time. But quite frankly, if they view you un unstable or different or... You know, that, that's not really helpful. It doesn't help the environment of you working and it certainly doesn't help them. So it's important to try to take that next step whenever we can. All right, the next section of this, or you want to call it section two, is can art help the artist or audience transcend bad behavior? Now, Paul Gargan, he said this, I shut my eyes in order to see. It sounds like a weird set of contrasts. It sounds like, wow, that's deep. And what the heck does that mean? Well, I tell you what I think it means. I think it means that oftentimes our senses, no matter what they are, they could be the touch or the eyes or the ears or even the taste. Sometimes they can fool us. Sometimes they're not as reliable as we like them to be. This is why many a times we're told, and there's some truth in it, so I'm not I'm not criticizing it, but when I hear somebody say, hey, Mark, you know, uh, perception, you know, can, can be reality. I'm like, yeah, and that's the operative word there, okay? Can be. It doesn't have to be because sometimes when you allow perception to become reality, you're actually guilty of prejudice because you're not really looking beyond just what you see. And like I say, that's, that perception or that vision or whatever can be an obstacle. It could fool you. It could lie to you. It could be deceitful. They say, um, you know, the mirror always lies. Why do they say that for? Because there's also truth then. Just because you're seeing that doesn't mean it's telling you everything because you're only seeing the surface. Are you seeing your heart in the mirror? No. If you're some heavy drinker, God knows you're not seeing your liver in the mirror. It would be nice if you could, but you're not. So, I like what he had to say about that. I shut my eyes in order to see because it really helps demonstrate what I'm saying here by can art help the artist or audience transcend bad behavior? Yes, it can, but unlike using it for some form of therapy for depression and other things, it's less effective for that. I mean... Be honest with you, I never heard of any artist that said, you know, Mark, I'm writing poetry now. And since I started five years ago, I was able to quit drinking and now I'm not drinking anymore. I've never heard anyone say that. I don't even know if that's possible. This is, of course, a bad behavior. I know it's not politically correct to say that because I'm supposed to say it's a disease and this, that, and whatever. But, you know, you drink a lot and you ruin relationships and destroy your health. I don't know why I can't call that bad behavior. So be mad if you like, but that's what that is, okay? And no, I haven't seen any any kind of art that would stop that because that means more than just art. Now, can art complement things that help you stop drinking? Hell yeah. P 
people say I'm grabbing into a higher power. If you believe in God, that's, that's helping me to stop drinking. Or uh, I talk to my counselor whenever I have a stressful situation so I don't go run to take a drink. Cool, that's important too. I go to a meeting a couple of times every week for the rest of my life or whatever. If that's what people have to do, that's what they, people have to do sometimes to, to be off of that. And I've known people have been off of that 10, 20, 30 years. And I know other people that, you know, being off the wagon, like they say, you know, is, is about as regular as, as being on it. So, but art, unfortunately, doesn't really have that kind of impact. I wish it would. I really do. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that it doesn't. I will say in honest truth, it, it can complement the things that people do. So I'm not one to dissuade anybody. Don't get me wrong. But it would be wrong to say I took up art and now I stopped using drugs. It doesn't it doesn't really work that way. I know people that use religion that same way and, and it doesn't really work that way. They go back to it if they're not really taking care of why it's happening in the first place. Because you got people, and I'm one of them, that will drink on what you would call a social or recreational basis, but I don't have a problem with that because I'm not doing it for any underwriting reason other than it's nice to have a drink with friends and talk about some stuff. Nice to have a drink and maybe catch a, a you know show on on TV. Uh, nice to have two drinks when my kids are going camping so they're not around driving me nuts. Great. But other than that, that's that's where it is. Where somebody that has a problem they're using that to try to deal with that problem, which is makes it another problem. And that's why people who have, and I've been saying this for years, and I wish more people would catch on to that, uh, is that oftentimes the, quote, addiction of alcohol and drugs has more to do with depression than anything else. So it's not enough to physically or medically treat the addiction and never, never deal with why it was there in the first place. You still got to deal with that depression because if you deal with that, you'll be able to deal with all the other things that come afterwards because there'll be less a chance for them to come afterwards because they're feeling better about themselves and they're getting more things resolved. Art can help in that way. Don't get me wrong. It definitely can. But you're not going to write a poem and stop drinking. If you do, I'd like to talk to you. Maybe you can get on an interview on my show because uh, I've never heard of that before and I just don't think I ever will. But I guess there's always the first time. Well, we'll see. But right now, my opinion from everything I've seen in my life is it doesn't work. But bad behavior can also be things of of a, a nature of, a, let's say, racism. I've seen, in my own eyes, people that had beliefs of that way because that's how they were raised and that's the kind of environment it was. And they went into a different environment, let's say the military, or they went into a different environment in politics where they had more exposure to other people. And I've seen people learn and change from that. Where they wasn't that same kind of person anymore. And, and then the art of being around other people. And communicating with other people. Or maybe even reading things from people that you thought were this. And you find out they're that. You find out everything you've been leaving is kind of a lie. Yes, it can help with that kind of bad behavior. So yes, I've seen I've seen art. I've seen writing help change people. I've, I've seen them change them from politically extreme ideas like communism. You know, or I've seen them change people who've dealt with racism before. I'm not a big believer that racism is some kind of disease or something and blah, blah, blah. I don't like people getting carried away with that, okay? It's a horribly learned behavior from the environment that you're in. And guess what? You can unlearn it. So it's not like, you know... Uh, yeah, 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 I'm defeated cancer, but it could come back in five years. It's not, if you defeat racism in your system, it's not coming back. Because you understand where it came from, how stupid it is, and how you can solve it. And it doesn't come back. So it's not some disease, not social affliction, and all these, these silly metaphors that don't make any sense. Okay, It is behavior that can be unlearned, and art can actually help in that way. And I've seen it happen plenty of times before. I've even seen the art of religion help in that regard too, so it definitely has a, 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 a definitely it has a role to play in all that. So yes, it, it can help an artist and an audience transcend bad behavior. Yeah, you could do something. You think about, and I remember in the seventies when this came out because I'm old enough to to have, to have actually watched it on TV was when Alex Haley, you know, had written Roots and then it, it became a teleplay and it was it was shown throughout America. 
and you you saw a lot of people who didn't really understand the true history of 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 slavery and then the roots from that how it came where racism went into different forms how how that came about so that was a very important artistic tool to help people unlearn some of that and i really believe that that in many ways helped people people can say today hey we still have this mark and blah 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 yes we do but we also have a lot of progress we also have a lot of important things that we can point out to in society to say that we are moving in the right direction maybe we're not moving as fast as we'd like to or even believe that we should but we are moving and um but I agree with that crowd that say that, you know, maybe we should be moving a, a little bit faster. And as long as I, I see that it makes some sense, and as long as it's done you know, in, in a fair and an intelligent way, yes, we should do that. Because one of the uh, the weaknesses of, of capitalism, which I'm an adherent to, uh, is that it doesn't really understand the role you know, of compassion. It doesn't always understand sometimes its social impact because capitalism can also be like nature where it can be cruel and and, and unkind because it can be working on a various program rather than ways so we can adjust it to make it better for for all to, you know, to participate in. So I'm okay with that as long as we don't get, you know, carried away and everything. I'm I'm, I'm completely fine with that because society... Even to this year in 2020, is still not all that we'd hope it to be. And maybe as we continue to try to discover more things about it and about ourselves, we could do more towards that end. And that's always going to be the, the hope of me as somebody who's a father with two kids who has to constantly talk about this issue when they see something on the TV or they hear something on the radio or you know, that they, they have friends uh, from different backgrounds and, you know, how to conduct themselves and, and how to understand if those particular folks are going through uh, issues so that we can all have some kind of discussion. But that's what we need to have. You know, art as a discussion, art as communication, and us communicating with each other. Not not running around screaming and breaking and burning things, okay? That's not really going to help. That don't work for my children in the house when they get mad about something, fair or unfair, it shouldn't work for the rest of the streets of the world. So let's try to keep that in mind as well. Now, the third section over here for this show here is, and I'll read the quote because I love it because it's really the most true thing you're going to hear. Uh, Henri Matisse, a uh, French artist, creativity takes courage. And yes, it, it, it really does. It's every time you uh, you wake up, and you come up with something different and new, or maybe even you've discovered something new or different about yourself, or learned something that you want to share with the world, you know, it takes courage to spend the time doing that rather than going taking a run, or taking a walk, or checking a pretty girl out in the park, or go hang and play with your dog, have some Scrabble games with your son or your daughter. You know, watch a TV show. There's 50,000 things you can do with your time, with your life that are completely different than sitting there by yourself trying to compose something you feel has some worth, has some merit, has some relevancy to you and to the world out there. You know, it takes courage to even do it, let alone release it out to the world with the hope that somebody's going to make a connection with it and not just reject it with some stupid form letter. Or, or some smart Alex saying, uh, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that. You know, as long as they're not trying to help you structurally to become a better writer, all the other stuff is not really very helpful. So, yeah, it definitely does take courage. So, here's our third one for the show. Does art inform the human condition? Or is the human condition a major catalyst for art? I'm not a big devil's advocate person. You probably know that already. I never really cared for that. And I don't really care for even hypotheticals either. I don't find them very useful. This is not a question that's either the or the or because the answer is, is both of them. Yeah, art can definitely inform the human condition. You could become a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better citizen 
by writing and reading other people's writings and understand things that, that they're saying that you never thought about before, it expands your consciousness. Your self-expression helps you become somebody that has more respect for freedom and then other people's freedom. You might even learn something about love that you didn't know before. Not necessarily from reading a love poem, but just love in general. Because you start appreciating more people and their different ideas and opinions. You appreciate sometimes life more than you might have done before when you wasn't in the arts. I find it's hard to appreciate you know, life when I'm watching a television show because it's just so contrived and so canned. Oftentimes it's so corny. It seems so flat and one-dimensional. Everything has to be wrapped up in some kind of a bow or everything has to be blown up or... You know, it does to me. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I can't relate that to my life. I'm sorry, but uh, no one's trying to blow me up, and and no one's trying to spy on me. And 17 women are not throwing themselves at me. It would be nice to see that every so often, but hey. So it's kind of hard to make that connection with that. Where when you're writing something or you're reading somebody else's writing, sometimes it really does like say something to you that you just really hadn't thought before. Or maybe it connects with you on something you were thinking about and you're like, oh, thank God somebody else is thinking the same thing or feeling the same thing. Sometimes that, if you want to call it, and I hate the word at this point now because it's getting overused, validation. I mean, it's getting a little little too overused. But I'll use it because it it, is a good word in this particular circumstance. Sometimes that's what writing is. You're not really getting the validation from the editor like myself. Hey, uh, Jane, this was a great poem. Love it. I'm going to produce it next month. Cool. That's not as much as a validation sometimes if you read somebody else's stuff and say, oh my God, I was just feeling that the other day. Or, oh Lord, I was thinking about writing something along that line. Or holy moly, this person is like living my life today. Sometimes that's a, a greater revelation and a greater validation than anyone just telling you, I, I like what you did, I'm going to publish it. Because that's to me that, that acceptance is a far different different feeling than that. So yeah, art can inform the human condition. It really can. Sometimes it can even change it. A perfect example would be there were writers uh, in the eighteen hundreds and and they were called the abolitionists. They were people that were against slavery. And unfortunately, unlike many people today. You know, that seem to be pro and con to all kinds of different issues. You never know what they're really doing in their life to, to ever even support what they're saying. It could just be a blurb on Facebook or some email or some bumper sticker. It's not the same thing as conviction. It's not the same thing as action. But when you're writing in the times of, of peril, things that have moral substance... I believe this is wrong. I believe we should have equality. I believe the country is not living up what it should be and blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking about in the 1800s. And you're putting your name on this. And remember, you have standing in the community as well because the good chances are you're a white person that's saying this. you got a lot to lose. You need to have courage. Like Matisse says, it takes courage to be creative. And those people were writing something creative, but they also had moral substance to it. It had value. And they helped change people. I read letters from people during the Civil War that said, you know, I always had in the back of my mind when I read that abolitionist column that maybe what I'm fighting for is, is, is worth the dying for. And this was sometimes even Southern soldiers. Maybe this crap is, is stupid. Maybe they're right. For them to even confess that to their, to their families or to think about that, it just shows you the impact that it can have on the human condition. That somebody that was still fighting on the side for slavery and literally dying on a battlefield can write letters to their family saying I'm not sure this is right I'm not sure if I'm on the right side I'm not sure if what the hell that person wrote is right maybe this is all wrong what we're doing and there was lots of letters that talked about that some of them alluded to that some of them said it between the lines some of them just said it straight outright so it was no it was no joke. If you ever read at all the letters of Colonel uh, Robert Gould Shaw, the the movie that they made after him, Glory, starring uh, uh, Matthew Broderick and and Denzel Washington, 
the movie didn't really give you the full the full spectrum of who that guy was. I wish it did, but unfortunately, with movies, they they take liberties sometimes with, with, with history. We should know and understand the full scope of who the person is. That's how we can really appreciate who they are. You know, to start the guy, you know, to start the the show off or the movie off with, uh, you know, he's already against slavery and trying to do the right thing. Not very helpful, I, I I believe, because when you read his letters, you see a man who was a rich white spoiled brat who had no problem using the N word, who didn't believe in in in, in anything uh, about blacks being equal, who didn't even care about them at all. He just believed on the academic level that slavery was stupid. Wow, thanks. This is the guy he sent out there, okay? And what happened to that man? I wish they revealed it more in the movie. I think we would have got a much more greater emotional and, and, and moral impact. But what happened? Well, guess what? Through his letters, which he sent hundreds to his family. Remember, this man was a, was, was a rich family from a rich family. They had direct contact with the President Lincoln. There, there were people of movers and shakers uh, uh, in, in the Boston area. You'll see, because of his experiences outside of where he lived... Now amongst black people. Now amongst having to put black people in charge and make them fight and get them to become soldiers and see who they really are. There's an evolution in his writing, in his letters. He goes from the N-word to, you know, this Negro hero. He goes from, I don't know what the hell's wrong with these people, to, oh my God, equality is real. He goes from... I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get these guys to do anything to these soldiers as good as anybody. It, it, it's it's an evolution of thought and emotion and morality. It takes months upon months of letters that you could read to see him get there, but he gets there. He starts off as a racist idiot, just happened to be on the north side, and he ends with somebody that had no problem Dying with his men because they were no longer some separate thing. They were his men. The South actually physically removed him from being buried with them because that's what they did back in those days, unfortunately. But, you know, um, I know it would be an honor for him because I read all his letters and it's obvious what he had to say about that. But that just shows you how art, how writing, how communication, how that experience can inform your human condition and change you. You know, you could call that whatever experience you want to call that. He had a social evolution. He had a religious transformation. You could use all those glorious terms you want. But I like to just simply say that once you took this man out of his element and put him in with the rest of the world, the reality of the situation, it hit him. He couldn't run away. He couldn't deny it. And he didn't. It, he let him, it let him change him because it's what was necessary. He found out exactly why he was there and what he was fighting for, what he died for. So God bless that man and, and God bless us all when we understand in that experience. And I really think that a big heart of many of our problems, not just in America, but in the world, folks, is that the other side, the other culture, the other block, the other train, the other language, the other, the other, okay? It's always the other because we don't do anything to spend enough time with it to understand what's going on. Now, I'm not suggesting with you that when you do, if you do, it's always going to work out that way. You might have some people, they're committed to that and that's the end of it, no matter what you try to do. People can be that way, but you're going to find more times than not, much more understanding much more, wow, I, I see a lot of changes, I see a lot of common things, I see a lot of things that are different, and that's okay too. The different is no longer scary. And the things that you have in common, you can laugh about and say, what in the hell were we worried about? What were we so afraid of? Art can help cross that bridge. And we should try to use that whenever we can. You know, I help an organization out in Israel that... They tried to use uh, poetry, even collecting stamps and, and, and using them to make projects. 
uh, between uh, Palestinian and, and Jewish kids in the, in the situation that helps them learn something more about each other, that maybe the impact is when they grow up, they're not so afraid of each other, that maybe they can find some common ground, that maybe one day they can forge some kind of a peace. It might sound to people like some kind of a pie in the sky thing or some kind of pipe dream, but I happen to believe that that is a whole lot better, you know, than just sitting, you know, across town from each other, sitting up new ways to, I don't like this person, I don't like that, they'll do this, did you hear about that? I don't know how any of that room and all that nonsense is supposed to be useful. How the hell we get anywhere doing that when we could actually be trying to do things together? And then seeing for ourselves, no, there's not a monster there. There's not a boogeyman there. You know, there's not the other there, the alien or whatever the hell we want to call it in our lips or in our words or in our heart, but rather somebody just like us that is simply practicing their life in a, in a different manner. That's not a crime, folks. That's not a sin. And I think when we see that more with art, which can help inform us, I, I think that in many ways, you know, it opens up, up to more experiences and more possibilities. It might even open us up to be better people. And in, and in some instances, maybe we can cross that bridge. And when we cross that bridge, we don't have a rifle on our hands. We just have a poem. Or, hey, I, I baked this cake for you, okay? I don't know a damn thing about you, but why don't we eat the damn cake and figure out some stuff? Maybe it's easier that way than throwing rocks. Well, maybe just <laughs> sit down and eat some cake and drink some soda, you know? I remember when I was living in Germany and, and someone said, you guys are, uh, you Americans are so so black and white. You're so, you're so simplistic to everything. I go, I don't understand what you're talking about. Lots of things aren't complex. We make them complex. Who's to say that... The people on the North Korean, South Korean line can't sit together for a few minutes and talk about some stuff in their lives, share a hamburger together, see some things they normally don't see. I tell you who says that. The people usually on each side of them, oh my God, I don't want them to actually learn to like each other. I, I, can't, I can't continue the conflict if you do. So you have to wonder about that. And I'm not trying to sound conspiratorial, but what I'm saying is if when you have barriers to communication, whether they're art or whatever, you're going to have barriers to understanding. All you're going to really do is continue with those stupid thinking. That's the bad guy. That's the bad this. I don't like that person. Da, 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 da. It's old. It's silly. It's not that complex. And in a nutshell, that's what I answered that German person when he told me that. You know, it was to me... You know, and God bless him, I lived in Germany for quite some time, but, you know, there was still a rationalization about, you know, um, you know, Hitler came about because of all these complex issues and blah, 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 and, you know, so therefore, you know, we're not guilty of anything. And, and I'm not living there to, to tell people they are. And even many years later, I'm still not that person to do that. It's not really my place, and I don't really care to do that. But what I can say is simply this. I don't care what era you're living in, whether it was Nazi Germany or America right now, or right now you're dealing with issues in India or Pakistan. We still have choices as human beings. We still have responsibility as people, as citizens. We've learned time and time again on how people have simply said, no, I don't want to comply with that. I think it's wrong. You know, to this day, people are not aware of that during the Holocaust, as a German soldier, you did not have to participate in that. They could not compel you. A lot of people don't realize that. Nobody, and I mean nobody, was forced to be part of the Holocaust as, as, as somebody who is a, a German Nazi person. You could say, I'm not with this. They'd just send you to the front line. That's all they would do. You wouldn't go to jail. They wouldn't kill you. They'd just send you over to the front line. Okay, fine. So the people they got to do like that, the stuff, they wanted to do that stuff. Some of them were opportunists. Some of them they just didn't want to go into combat. It was easy to kill other people this way. Some of them were just, just evil, hated kind of people that this, this is something they like to do. And a lot of those people were hung in Nuremberg. But that demonstrates to you all over the world and all over our lives that we do have choice. We do have decisions to make. 
So we don't have to comply with any of this sort of stuff. Oftentimes, just the act of saying no, I think this is wrong. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. No, this is not the way we should go. Why don't you look at this? Sometimes that in itself is the beginning of some kind of a social change. That's some kind of a mini revolution, where you don't have to burn down a building or or, or shoot somebody to get your message across. Sometimes you could just say no and do things about it. So we have those choices to make. So I don't really think that we're all trapped in some kind of social experiment where we can't do this or we can't do that. And I don't really believe in the, in the complexity of a lot of these issues because they're not really that complex. Some people say, well, maybe, Mark, uh, until we can get people to trust more and to be of more good faith, it's going to stay complex. No, it's still that simple. People have to be willing to do so. Don't know how much death and, and nonsense it's going to take for people to wake up. But yes, it is. It is simple. It is simple, in my, in my opinion, to construct art, good, bad, or indifferent, and put it out there and, and live your truth and, and live your life in, a, in an honest fashion. Yes, it's not that complex to look at the person across the street who's not from your background might not even speak your language and still say hello in the morning. Still try to have a conversation at the mailbox. Still say, hey, what's going on at the supermarket? I, I noticed that you're putting that lawn fee down instead of this one. And, and go from there. Because things get less mysterious when you do that. Things get less fearful when you do that. Things get become more friendly when you do that. People feel more comfortable around you. They're less likely to think or even act in ways that are strange because now you're starting to cut into what's supposed to be the stranger and now you're becoming somebody that's a little bit more familiar with them. Do they know all your life and everything you think? No, maybe they never will. Maybe that's not the point. Maybe the whole point is just to start becoming more familiar with people who are not like you so they can see some of the differences and some of the commonalities. Art can help us do that. And art, in many ways, can instruct us to do that. It can educate us towards that way. So, yes, I do think art can form the human condition. The second part of this is, is the human condition a major catalyst for art? Yeah, it, it really is. And the way I say that is because the human condition, being imperfect as it is, it still needs some more growing up to do. We still have some more evolution to do in, in our lives. There's still more that we can be doing right now that we're not we're not doing in the human condition. Still too much wars when they don't need to be. Too many famines when they don't need to be. So much social unrest that's not necessary. Imagine what we could do together to find more cures to things, to fix more things, to, to make life more happier for the world and each other if we just stopped all that nonsense. I keep hearing, and I know there's some truth to it, that people believe that there there is profit in war and that there is a, a business to have in hatred and, and that even even racism can help certain politics. I know there's some truth to that as much as I disagree with that deeply, but I also know that what dividends we can have with understanding and with, with peace, what we could do, imagine what we can just do. The money that we could save that we're wasting on, on nonsense. You know, the, the, the discoveries we, we can make when we're working together. We just don't know. We don't know if two cultures that hate each other came together and now suddenly they can invent things and do things they couldn't do before because they put their heads together and their hearts together instead of their fists together. We just don't know because there's not enough that's not being done. But we do know that it only takes somebody to say no that can literally change the world. And I'll leave you with this because it's uh, the very most perfect example you can have. Nelson Mandela. A very perfect example of what I'm talking about. Probably the perfect example in terms of my lifetime. This is a man that he took to armed conflict because he didn't like what was going on in South Africa. The, the, the hatred, the laws that were there to separate people, the, the brutality and police that 
makes anything in America look like like Disneyland, where literally people shot every hour of the day for something. Basically, just because you're black, because most of the time they didn't even have a reason anymore. Just to shoot them. And he was like, well, these people need to get shot back. Maybe they need to understand what's going on. Understand that Nelson Mandela got convicted for murder because he participated in that. He wasn't just some protester. This is not to say that he didn't have the reasons that he said he had. And he, he, meant, he admitted those in court. He went to jail for his life. Put him on an island. And what did he do in that island? He read, he tried to understand uh, something about himself, something about society, something even about his jailers. They say that some of his jailers converted over to understanding how we needed to be together rather than being separate. And these are people that have been taught the most racist ideology on the planet for their entire lifetime. And this guy is like telling them something different and they're understanding because he's not somebody they're expecting. And they're understanding who he is. He comes out of that sort of situation and that country is in turmoil when he comes out of that jail. It would not have been difficult for Nelson Mandela to hold on to hatred, to hold on to a grudge, to have said, let's just kill everybody here and take everything over because we have a right to do so because this is wrong what's been done to us. No, this is a man that says no to that. He says, let's have a national reconciliation. They have court sessions where literally people come up and say, yeah, I killed like 10 black people because I was hateful and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm trying to learn to be a better person now. And that was wrong. And they didn't convict that person. He helped purge those people. Good and bad and different. Because there was a lot of things on, on that other side as well that was done. That was horrible and wrong, unfortunately. To get that out of the system of the country. To try to see on national television and in transcripts the idioticness of all of it on all sides. And how... That was necessary for them to become a country. He did that. What did he do? He said no to hatred. He said no to I'm not going to take revenge. I still think this is my country. I still want this to be my country. I still want that other person to be my friend. Even if they spent their entire life hating me. I don't know where you get that strength from. Okay, I'm not telling you that I do. What I am telling you is. See how not complex that was. All I do is took that one person. South Africa never had the civil war they could have had. Now, I'm not saying that right now everything in South Africa is still perfect because it's not. We've got a long way to go. But what I am saying is he gave him a chance for the future that people can live together side by side. Those laws, of course, were changed. People have a better chance now than ever before. This is not to say that you know racism is gone and all of that, but what I am saying is, is that the generations going forward have a better chance now because of what he did. The country, the country still has some value and some meaning beside his past because it's trying to go beyond that and become something else. He allowed that to happen. When, when everything you could think of, if you did it in terms of mathematics or even just social history, would have said that that would have never have happened. He was going to go right for the, the hatred. He was going to go right for the revenge. He was going to act the way he was acting when he was younger and got put in jail. But he learned something different. He did something different. He changed the entire, the entire country. And in many ways, he changed a lot of the world because they were looking as well. Because that's an example that we can all follow. I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to encourage people to work and talk together and, and do things. So it's it's really a perfect example. I mean, it's like... In many ways, almost like a like a Christ figure, you could say. I mean, Gandhi was probably very similar in that way, too. I mean, these are figures that are very Christ-like. And uh, you don't get to see that a lot. But it shows you what can be done when you're willing to say no. Let's do something else. <laughs> Let's try this direction for a change, okay? How about you put down the rock and uh, we eat some cake. Have a hamburger. Because that's right. I, I, I think that one of the instruments for world peace is, is, is a hamburger. You know? You know why? Because I think I get more constructive things out of it than a handgun. And believe me, folks, I've been on both sides of all of that. The hamburger and the handgun. So I know what I'm talking about. And hopefully, 
we can all try to keep enough of our own faith in our in our country and in, in, our, in our humanity and of course in in the world that we can still try to figure this out that there's still time and that there's still hope when I look at something like Nelson Mandela even on my worst days where I'm like what is this world going to be coming to I got two sons growing up and I, I like to I like it to see it to be better and I do whatever I can to make it better but you know I got those days too where I'm wondering you know what can I do to protect them? Well, maybe one of the things I can do is just try to keep my own faith alive and maybe do whatever I can to help keep yours. All right, folks, until next time, I really thank you for being with us. I thank you for the emails. We're going to have a mailbag episode again soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got some incredible responses to a lot of the shows, uh, a lot more positive stuff too for a change. That's great. Got a whole bunch of stuff about the romance writer, so that's going to be exciting to hear about. I don't know what about that piece, boy. I'm telling you, it really got people thinking and, and moving in the right direction, in my opinion. So you just never know what's going to work. But as you can see, things do work and, and, and things can work if we just try to take a step forward and, and, and allow it. All right, folks, until next time, God bless and thank you very much for supporting this show. Until next time, this is Mark Anthony Rossi, Strength to Be Human. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.